0: If you are in the 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsie. ReadZ allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts, protection, and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelancers, editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier go to readsy.com today to sign up and set your first collaboration in motion that's r e e d s y.com
1: oh no that's a great term that was it was laziness
0: i still don't really understand how i can do it
1: to be told exactly what to write i kind of gave up That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. It spoke to me to be away from a cookie cutter, sort of. That's a terrible word. I started working on writing as escapist.
0: Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Best Seller, the podcast demystifying the process of self publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Season 3, Chapter 5 The Life of the Launch Party. It's 1818. A young whaler has just moved to the town of Sag Harbor in coastal New York. Between the laborious days at work, he harbors, pun very much intended, big dreams of becoming a writer. But at the turn of the 19th century, the literati was not exactly a dominant presence in bustling fishing ports. So without the time or resources to write and shop a manuscript in the old-fashioned way, he adopts an unconventional approach. At night, he frequents the bars in town, getting to know the local characters. Then he goes home and works them into short stories which he shares with his friends around town. One such character was Captain David Hand, a revolutionary war hero and local legend who inspired the protagonist of the young writer's stories, a swashbuckling frontiersman with a penchant for the leather stockings that eventually named the collection. The writer, of course, was none other than James Fenimore Cooper, author of The Leather Stocking Tales, and his protagonist was Natty Bumpo, the eponymous last of the Mohicans. Now, the literati is a very dominant presence in Sag Harbor, a one-time home to John Steinbeck, Kurt Vonnegut, Truman Capote, Edward Albee, E.L. Doctorow, and the annual Moby Dick Marathon, founded to thank Herman Melville for mentioning the town so many times in his famous novel. But back before the internet, before the invention of the e-reader, even before the invention of the automobile, Cooper didn't have many options for getting his book out there. So rather than move to the city and starve or give up on writing altogether, he adapted and focused on working with his location to build a ravenous local fan base that catapulted him to international renown. And evidently, his unconventional approach was so successful that it eventually became convention.
1: I definitely sell a lot more paperbacks in person than I was expecting. And I had been told from the beginning that most of my sales would be online and ebooks. And that hasn't been the case uh, with me at all.
0: We've already talked about how location impacted the writing of Tara Holiday, also known as TM Holiday, author of the Young Adult bestseller, Hiding Halo and the Candy and Airs* series she wrote her novel as an escape from the drudgery of day-to-day life drafting it mostly on the beach in san diego or the north shore of hawaii locations that clearly influenced the story of a young girl from california discovering that she is for lack of a better term a mermaid and befitting this unusual beginning to her writing journey tara adopted the unconventional approach everywhere she turned whether it was inverting tropes in her story or choosing a cover that purposefully did not align with genre norms. But when it came to marketing her book, unlike for James Fenimore Cooper, the unconventional approach posed more problems than the solutions it provided.
1: I mean, I wrote it as a like a new adult type book. The problem is new adult is usually marketed as a little racier than what my book is. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a unique sub, I don't know, but it made it hard to market.
0: Of course, it certainly didn't help that Tara had little to no concept of what the conventional approach to marketing entailed to begin with.
1: I had no preconceived notions about what it takes. I had no idea what I was doing. I wrote a book just to write a book. And then my husband was the one that was like, you know what, you gotta publish this. Look how far you've come, you can do this. And so I published it. And then after I published it, I was like, okay, now how do I market like what do I do? Which I would not recommend, you know, at least for me now that I can see all the information that is out there, it's easier to say, don't hit publish on that book until you have a plan in place because there are tried and true methods to publishing that book for whatever your particular genre is. Um, and so I did not do it the right way. I will say that right now. I did not have marketing in mind when I wrote the book.
0: Much like James Fenmore Cooper time and resources were not in Tara's favor when she finally finished her novel, at which point she realized that the process of turning it into a bestseller had only just begun.
1: I hate it so much. I can't even tell you, (laughs) but I hate marketing. I wear a lot of hats. I'm not just an author and I'm not just a mom, but I've got, I'm a piano teacher as well. And I own a piano studio and I do volunteer work with my church and I just, there's just a lot going on. And so to be able to take time away from my family after all the other stuff that I did to then go out and market is it's hard for me to find the time. It should be a priority, but When it's something that you're not super confident in, it's easy to put it at the bottom of the list. You know what I'm saying? And it's just not in the cards for me. And I don't want to do it. I don't like it.
0: Since then, she's come around on the importance of marketing. And with the release of her third book, Looming, she's taking the conventional approach a little more seriously.
1: I've recently repented of my ways a little (laughs) bit. My husband is actually the uh, director at a business marketing firm. <laughs> and you think I would have tapped that resource a long time ago. But um he very kindly reminds me often that I need to market and and has given me suggestions and plans and I even um did a marketing consult with a awesome marketer his name his name is Mike Don. Um he's actually publishing industry specific marketing. Mm. And um, he gave me a great plan. I actually did it when I only had one book out and the plan would work a whole lot better if I had more books. And so I waited until book two was launched to do it. And then I still didn't have time. So then I thought, oh, when book three comes out, I'll do it again. Anyway, so now <laughs> that I'm getting wiser a little bit, um, I'm refocusing on that plan. And
0: Was this the plan that actually came about in a uh, Z marketing consultation?
1: yes. But again, that that consultation for me was two years ago.
0: So you so you 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 got the plan, and then because yes. of the good time limits, you basically sat on it.
1: Yeah. So I got a really really great plan from a really really great marketer, and then I sat on it for like two and a half years. And now, here we go. We're ready.
0: <laughs> you might be asking yourself, what took her so long? Why would you pour so much time into bringing your story to life just to hold off on sharing it with the world? Well, it might be that, despite largely ignoring the marketing aspect, Tara was still selling books. Hiding Halo, after all, was already a success, long before the third book was even a file on Terra's computer, thanks, of course, to an unconventional approach, and, in no small part, to location
1: there there's a very strong local word of mouth um kind of network um with my books um i didn't announce online that i had written a book until it base. i it was either the day before or the day of i can't remember but i did have a friend who had been a beta reader on it and she threw me a book launch party and i think it was I'm trying to remember but i think it was about a week after the book had launched or so and um she invited a lot of younger girls and you know like 15 year olds 14 year olds and um that kind of helped a lot and then with my book launch for book two it was the same thing and so those those younger fans that had emailed me i let them know that this book launch party was coming up and they could invite their friends or whatever and so that kind of helped a lot
0: the idea of a launch party might seem very distant to aspiring self-publishers isn't that when stephen king buys out a bar in maine for the night or when jk rowling hangs out at buckingham palace to promote her new stab at adult literature is that really an option for small-time indie authors if you have those questions, rest assured, I did too. So I asked Tara. You mentioned like these book launch parties that you throw when you release them. But as you say, you're a small time indie author. What is, what is like a book launch party look like for that?
1: That is a good question. I, how do I carry myself? Um, very awkwardly. Very, very awkwardly. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just really happy to be there. Both times it's just been a gathering of friends and, well, the first time it was friends and family because who else, you know, I had no readers. It was my first book. And then um, by the second launch, it was friends and family and readers I had picked up along the way and their friends. And so it kind of grew organically, I guess. I awkwardly stand there with a really big smile on my face. And um, there's always a Q and A. And so they'll ask me questions and I'll answer it. And I'm not always articulate and sometimes I fumble, but it's okay because they're there to be supportive. And um, I'm just really glad that they're there and I'm happy that um, we get to love this together.
0: Turns out launch parties are actually a very big part of indie publicity planning. Whether you're hosting it at a local bar or just your backyard, it's important to get local readers together in person, connecting on a common ground that just happens to be the book you're selling. But since it does toe a thin line between a friendly get-together and promotional event, there are a few things to keep in mind when throwing your own. First, you're probably not JK Rowling, so no matter how supportive your friends and families are, or how well your book came out, it'll likely be hard to plan an entire evening around it. You want to make sure your book is readily available to purchase, of course, which means ordering physical copies well ahead of time, and you may want to schedule a reading or book signing during the party too. But your main focus should be keeping guests entertained for the whole night. The longer they stick around, the better memories they'll associate with you and your book, and your goal with an event like this is to establish a local fanbase that will spread the word and keep coming back for more, not just to make a few extra sales on launch day. Make sure you mingle and engage with every reader that comes through, not just the ones you're already friends with, and consider getting their contact information for your newsletter too. But most importantly, try to just connect with them on a personal level and continue to nourish those connections long after last call.
1: It was kind of on accident, but you know, you can't help but love that and feed that and nourish that relationship.
0: This might all sound a little odd to longtime listeners of this podcast or to those of you who have already tried your hand at indie marketing, which usually consists of writing emails to readers halfway across the globe or running ads from your living room. Tara lives in a small town in Arizona. Is that really a hotbed for self-publishing sales? And does local marketing really matter if the topic matter isn't local? It'd be one thing if Tara was marketing a field guide to Western succulents, but she's selling a story about a teen mermaid princess not just to the teens of her community, but to the younger readers and older community members, too. Overall, is this approach really worth it? Well, in this day and age, it is unconventional, to be sure. But to hear her tell it, focusing on the local was, for a long time, more than enough.
1: I've done my best to create a community for YA readers. There is a solid fan base of like 11 to 15 year olds that I wasn't expecting. And uh, they tell their friends and they tell their friends at school and they tell their schools. And so I've tried to cultivate that fan base and do um, like Instagram interviews with some of those teenagers. And, um, this fall I'm doing a, like a girl's night to get together at the library and talk about the book and talk about book three coming up. And I was hoping to have book three available, like that, that would be my launch, but I don't think that's going to work out timing wise. Book three is not done. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I just kind of do what I can to cultivate that fan base and to communicate with them and talk to them and ask them, what other books do you read? You know, and I've, I've had a lot of people come over to buy books when they're going on vacations to take to their friends or you know their cousins or nieces or whatever um and so now like there's little pockets (laughs) of (laughs) of reader communities um in various places it's been it's been fun it's been really fun
0: you heard that right Ironically, despite the many challenges Tara's idiosyncratic take on writing posed, Location was ultimately the driving force behind her book becoming a bestseller, locally at first, and then ultimately globally, when a story she wrote on vacation as an escape became a go-to escape for others vacationing across the world who happened to bring her story with them. That, in a nutshell, is the power of where you write of course, it's not 1818 anymore. And in the internet age, small towns full of local readers can only get you so far. So with two books under her belt and a third nearly finished, Tara finally looked to convention for help and saw what many indie authors know from the get-go. You still have to market online.
1: Probably doesn't apply to everybody, not every genre, and not every author. But my plan is I'm going to make my first book either 99 cents or free, um, probably a a week out or two weeks out from the launch of book three. Um, I have a short story that I wrote. It's a prequel about one of my characters that's in the story about how she grew up and how she became a soldier in the military. Um, and that's coming kind of releasing of three or four weeks before book three launches. And that's a free one. And those two combined with then running, um, there's Bookbub, but there's also a bunch of others. There's um, Book Cave or The Fussy Librarian. And they are similar to Bookbub. They don't have as many readers, um, but they're not as expensive to do. And so it's a much more affordable option um, for getting your book out there. And so to run those ads at the same time your book is free and for readers to be able to see, oh, there's a second book available. Oh, the third book is coming out in a week. Hopefully that boosts your pre orders a little bit. And then on the day of the launch, um, you notify some of your readers, like maybe your newsletter people. And then the next day or a couple of days later, you announce it um, on. Facebook. And then maybe the next days after that, you have fellow authors announce it on their newsletters in exchange that you announce there, you know, you kind of help each other out a little bit there and you stagger that announcement. And so your sales can be staggered online because Amazon algorithms, if they see a ton of sales one day and then nothing, um, it influences the way that your book, um, is ranked in their importance as opposed to um, a consistent week or month or whatever of sales um, actually helps you out a lot better. So that's my plan.
0: In a way, Amazon rankings are actually the natural extension of local marketing into an online setting. Amazon deploys algorithms to determine which books show up and in what order when a customer searches the site. Equally importantly, they determine where your book ranks on popularity lists and bestseller charts. In the days after your book is launched, the algorithms collect data on your book. If your book is selling well, and more importantly, if it is selling consistently as opposed to in anomalous spikes on certain days, selling from organic Amazon searches as opposed to external sites, and selling the majority of the time that a customer clicks on your Amazon book page, or in other words, converting— then the algorithms will reward you with the most important thing of all, visibility. With so many options out there, readers will often look to the top charts in a specific category or search for certain keywords for a more localized selection of titles that might interest them. A small town online, if you will. But those communities are just as important to cultivate because, unlike Terra's surprising local success, nothing about Amazon rankings is accidental.
1: When you put your book on Amazon, they let you choose two categories to put your book in. And the categories that they offer you are only some of their categories. And in fact, there's a whole, there's a lot more categories out there. And um, it says you can only do two, but you can actually do up to 10 categories. And so you, it just takes a phone call. You just call Amazon author or KDP customer service, and you ask them to put your book in more categories than just those two and you can find, there's websites out there or lists out there of all the different Amazon categories, but one of the easiest ways is to look at similar books to your book and seeing what categories they're in. So for me, I looked up other mermaid books, like the bestseller in those categories, and you look at the categories and it will say, you know, like number two in teen and YA fiction, fantasy mermaid. You know, or something like that, which is not actually one of the categories that you can choose when you upload your book. And so it takes a phone call to Amazon saying, Hey, can you actually put my book in this category? Sometimes Amazon does it automatically based off of keywords and similar books and things like that. Um, but those fluctuate based on, um, your sales rank. And so sometimes you're not in that category all the time. Anyway, so you just call Amazon and and get your book in different and more categories and uh, keywords. There's a lot of different information on there about keywords and everybody says different things and the algorithms change all the time. And some people say, you know, load up those keyword boxes. You can have 50 characters and Amazon gives you seven keywords, right? Mm And But those keywords can be a whole phrase or just one word or whatever. And so my advice is to just go to Amazon in their Kindle store and use the search bar and just type. So for me, I might type mermaid, you know, and see what auto populates. And so I might type mermaid and it might be mermaid romance or YA mermaid or, you know, something like that. And you just see which keywords are searched most often based off of which is the top of the auto-populate list and you can search YA or you know if you write romance just type romance and see what else is auto-populating and there might be a keyword in there that after the word romance that applies to your book specifically that would be a good keyword for you. That's one option.
0: But of course there are many more once you've found popular keywords in the search bar you might want to use a tool such as publisher rocket to find an estimation of how often the keyword is searched per month this will help you target keywords with higher traffic and reach more potential customers you also want to make sure that you're using keywords that actually convert to sales just because a book appears as the first search result doesn't mean it's necessarily selling well that particular keyword might not actually be that popular Or worse, it may be misleading. In other words, customers are typing it into the search bar, but not finding what they're searching for. If you have your doubts, click on the first few books that show up in a search, then use a tool such as Kindlepreneur's Kindle Calculator to estimate their daily sales. If they're selling well, the keyword is probably worth targeting. If not, then probably not. Kindlepreneur, a website run by self-publishing expert and fellow podcaster Dave Chesson, is actually a great resource for any indie author, particularly one with questions about marketing on Amazon specifically, a feat that, as Tara is still learning, is easier said than done. But although marketing doesn't come easy to Tara, and her book didn't sell in the way she expected, it didn't stop her from taking the unconventional approach. Because what she does have is faith in her product, and now that she has a plan, she knows that the rest will come in time.
1: I still have a lot of hope and confidence in my story, and... Right now, though I may not be selling a ton of eBooks and I may not have a big um, like national presence or international presence yet, I'm pretty, still pretty small time in that area. Um, I don't think it's gonna stay like that. And I do have plans to market and I do have plans um, to see this through to whatever its potential might be. But I don't, I've never had a moment where I thought, Oh, it's not working. Oh, my marketing is failing. Oh, blah, 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 blah. It's always been when, when, you know, when I get better at this, when I'm better at marketing, when I figure this out, I think I have a product that is marketable. And so um, that's kind of how I viewed it so far.
0: A lot of authors give up on marketing because it's easy to lose faith in your product when it feels like no one is buying your book even if people actually are. Plenty of authors sell very well, but very few of them have actually seen a random reader in a random place with their paperback in hand, which is what many of us dream of when we choose to write in the first place. Seeing a bunch of numbers on Amazon is one thing, but seeing your book in a reader's lap at the local park, that's another thing altogether. And for Tara, that meant more than any sale ever could. Do you think some of that faith comes from being able to interact with your fans in real life, see people in face-to-face getting excited about your book? Is that like kind of the kick where you're like, you know what, this is great. Like, even if I haven't figured out the online marketing yet, like I know I have something worth fighting for here.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I even, my husband came home from a meeting um, last week. And one of the other men in the meeting comes up to him and says, my daughter has read your wife's books. I didn't know your wife was an author. I didn't even know it was her. And my husband said, yeah, yeah, she's an author. She writes books. And this man looked right at my husband and said, well, my daughter says it's better than Twilight and it's right up there with Harry Potter. So why is it not like out there. Like, why is there not a movie? Why is this not a thing? And my husband tried really hard. I mean, you did not want to laugh at this person, but, um, it was, it was just one of those moments of like, there's some people out there that believe in me, even though their ideas of how the publishing industry works and like, you know, the reality and the stages of how these very, very famous books out there become what they are. For me, I heard that. And I thought, you know what, there's a little girl out there who thinks I'm, that this story is pretty great. And that makes me happy.
0: Besides, turning a little town in Arizona into the Sag Harbor of YA teen mermaid fiction is pretty much local legend material in and of itself.
1: I don't just have somebody who leaves a, a review on Amazon, but I get to see smiles in real life. And I'm really, really lucky to have that.
0: Brought to you by Reedzy, this is Best Seller. Over the course of this season, we'll follow an indie author's journey from start to finish in five chapters, exploring each step it takes to turn the escapist world of your dreams into a bona fide young adult series. Last up is our Season 5 epilogue, Like a Pro. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by me, Casimir M. Stone. If you liked it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Our guest this season is Tara Holiday, aka TM Holiday, author of the Candian Airs series. You can purchase her books on Amazon or on her website at tmholiday.com. That's T M H O L L A D A Y.com. And you can follow her on Instagram or Twitter at tmholiday. This podcast, like so many self-published books out there, is made possible by Readsy, a marketplace that connects indie authors with the tools that traditional publishing houses would usually provide, such as editors, book cover designers, and publicists. You can learn more about Readsy on Instagram at Readsy underscore HQ, on Twitter at Readsy or online at R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com.